came to church expecting to hear from heaven. Amen. See, you know, there's some preparation time that really, you know, a lot of pastors don't talk about this, and I probably don't talk about it enough, but there needs to be preparation on your part. Mm -hmm. I'm serious. This, the Lord has been speaking to me about some of these things. He said, you know, people, a lot of times they'll come to church and they're just dragging themselves out of bed and just, you know, they're, they're throwing everything together and they're just making a rush, but they, they don't get up in time to spend a little bit of time to me and spend a little time with me listening to what I have to say, preparing them for what I'm going to speak through the man or woman of God when, when they get there. So they come in and the receptors are not on. And sometimes they sit through the, the whole service and the, the, the receptors never come on and sometimes the receptors turn on halfway through. Well, what happens is you miss half the message. You miss half what God's saying. Well, because you're not prepared. You know, if you played sports at all, you know, you get warmed up before you play sports. If you're playing football or baseball or, you know, whatever you're doing, you know, you do some exercises before you get out on that field. It's just like a base, in, in baseball, a pitcher, he goes down in what they call the bullpen, and he warms up before he comes on there. They don't just call a guy out of the dugout and say, hey, hey, Bill, come out here and pitch for us. You know the reason why they don't do that? Because Bill's not warmed up. And if he comes out there and pitches, uh, he's going to get blown out of the ball field. Why? Because he's not got control of anything. He's just He's cold. And, you know, it's the same thing spiritually. You have to get yourself ready when you come to hear the things of God. Get prepared. Because God wants to say something to you. And it's not just, we don't just come to church so that we can say we came to church. All right? Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is having a relationship and developing that with Jesus and actually listening to what he's saying and, and, and being a doer of the word, not just a hearer only. So today, if you open your Bibles, go ahead and open your Bibles to um, huh, Psalm 103. Let's start there. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for showing me how, how, how you want to do this. You know, Psalm 103, it's not enough that you, you come to church. You've got to spend time in the Word. You've got to read your Bible and take notes. One thing, you know, I, I learned a long time ago was the importance of taking notes in a service because something said, and I, well, I jot it down, and then maybe it may be a month or a week or maybe even that, that afternoon, I'll go back and look and say, what did God say? I remember he said something really spoke to me, and I got it wrote down. See, if I try to remember it, I learned a long time ago, I'll forget it. Especially a month. Or a week later, I've forgotten it. But see, the good thing about having notes is you can go back and review some of those notes. And see, as a pastor, a good a good shepherd will have no, has notes, and he'll go back and reread his notes and see. Oh, I remember when God said that. And got revelation, and see, you feed off that. It'll help you. 
But what happens with a lot of people is they come in, they don't, they don't, they don't ever take any notes. So what happens is their, 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 their natural ability to retain things, all right, weighs in. And they're not able to retain everything that's said. I mean, they, they, they've said that, you, you know, within 24 hours, you for, you've forgotten a certain percentage of what you, what you heard the day before. I don't know what it is. It's, it's really re kind of ridiculous. And within two days, it's even less. And within a week, it's, you know, you, you, it's, it's like down to 5% what was spoken, you know, a week before that. Well, you know, that really pertains to the things of God. And if you don't, if you don't have notes to take things down in or a Bible that, you, that you, you make notes, you'll miss what God's trying to say to you and teach you. But look at Psalm 103. I want you to see something here. In, in Psalm 103, verse 7, it says this, He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. Now, I want to talk to you today about the title of this message is God's Ways. It's not enough to know God is your Savior. You've got to know his ways. You have to know his ways. It's not enough for you to make a determination in your life that you maybe maybe you need to lose weight. Right? You can't say, well, I, I, I need to lose weight. Is that gonna is that gonna get you to lose weight? Because you know you need to lose weight? No. What's gonna get you to lose weight? You gotta know there's ways how to do it. You gotta know there's a way to lose weight. And you've got to follow that, that, that game plan in your life on how to lose weight. Otherwise, what happens? You're not going to lose weight. And if your game plan's not right, you'll lose the weight. As soon as you come off the game plan, guess what happens? You put all the weight back on. And usually more than what you, what you lost. It gets real discouraging. Well, you know, God's got, a, got ways that will get you through things and keep you on the other side, but you're going to have to follow them. So we see here, he says, in verse 7, he said, He made known his ways unto Moses, but his acts unto the children of Israel. The problem with the children of Israel is they seen what God did. They saw him part the Red Sea. They, they, saw, they saw the water coming out of the rock. That they saw what God did. But they didn't know, his way. They didn't know how he did it. Moses knew the ways of God, how to receive from God. Why? Because he had developed a relationship with the Lord. And as a matter of fact, it says in the Bible that God spoke to him face to face. Face to face. He, did, he didn't speak to the children of Israel that way. Why? Because they weren't interested. They weren't interested. And a lot of times... People that need deliverance, you'll find they're really not interested in deliverance. They're not really interested in deliverance. But see, the only way you're going to get delivered is you're going to have to find out God's ways. And through knowing his ways, then you'll get, you'll get, you'll get deliverance. You have to, as you, as you read the Bible... All right. As you read the Bible, you need to learn to identify and read Scripture 
that shows you His will. That's the first thing. To use your faith. You have to identify in Scripture that shows you God's will. Because once you, once you figure out in, in, God, in, in God's Word that it's His will, now you, knew, you know you can use your faith. Alright? Once you find his, his will, then you need to find the Scripture that shows the way. Does that make sense? You need, once you find out in His Scripture that it's His will, then you need to find the Scripture that shows you the way. All right? And that's kind of what we're going to talk a little bit about today. There's a big difference in Israel and, and uh, the children of Israel and Moses. Moses was able to lead them out, but you remember the Israelites, they didn't go into the promised land. Why? Because they didn't know his ways. And eventually what happened was Moses even got tripped up too because he was speaking face to face with God. And God told him one day, he said, go out, and the, and the Israelites were complaining because they were out in the desert, and they were thirsty. And they were whining and crying to Moses, did you, did you bring us out here to die? We were better off back in Egypt. Now, understand Moses is trying to lead them and bring them out of deliverance, and God's using Moses to bring them and deliver them from bondage. And here the Israelites, they're complaining because they're thirsty. So Moses goes to God, and God tells him this. He says, go to that rock over there and strike it with your staff. So Moses goes over to the rock, and he strikes the rock with his staff, and water pours forth. And the Israelites are all happy because now they got, they got drink, and they start drinking it. And that, see, that's a, that's a picture of Moses striking the rock. It's a picture of Jesus being struck. It's, really, it's, it's a picture of that. It's a type and a shadow is what we call it. A type and a shadow. Je the first time Moses struck the rock. Now, later on it happens again. And see, what's happening now is Moses is dealing with the Israelites. They're whining and complaining and crying out that, you know, we were better off in bondage. And Moses gets into his flesh. And anger starts really rising up in him because he's like, these people are so... not listening to what God's trying to say to him. So Moses goes back to God. And, and God says, now go to the rock, Moses. But this time, speak to the rock. So Moses goes back to the rock, and as he's going to the rock, the people are whining and crying. Well, did you bring us out here really to, to die? And see, it's, it's under his flesh. And so Moses has had enough. And so he picks up his staff and he says, Must we do this for you? And he strikes the rock. And water comes out. But what did God say? He said, speak to the rock, didn't he? He said, speak to it. Moses strikes it again. Why? Because he struck it the first time. But this time God told him to speak to it, and he struck it. 
the first time was an example of Jesus, a type of shadow of Jesus being struck. The second time is Jesus again, but we don't strike it. He's not being stricken. He's being spoke to. He's being spoke to to get what, what you need. And Moses messed up. He struck the rock. So God said to Moses, because you didn't obey me, you're not going to go into the promised land. You're disqualified. Even though Moses knew God's ways. And that's even more important. He knew God's ways. He knew what he was supposed to do. But he got over in the flesh. And things started turning. Started changing. So, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's not enough to know the will of God. You've got to know his ways. Because if you don't know his ways, you'll not receive from heaven. And the only way you're going to know his ways, you're going to have to spend time in the Word. I can't tell you how many times I've picked up a Bible and just been praying as I'm, as I'm like, Lord, I know you want to speak to me, but I, I don't know what, where to go. And the Spirit of God, as I'm, as I'm thumbing through the, the pages, stops me at a particular page. And as I read that page, there's something in there that just leaps off that page. That doesn't happen with a Bible on my, on, on my, on my phone. It doesn't have, I, I've never had that happen. I've asked God, you know, speak to me. You know, I'm at work and I've got, you know, I've got my Bible on my, on my phone. And it, it doesn't happen that way. It's usually later on when I get to my, when I get, when I get to the book, I pick it up and I'm, and I'm, as I'm spending time in it, the God, God starts speaking to me. That's the important of having, having, having a, a Bible that you actually come in contact with. Because you know what? I, I was ministering last night at the restaurant, and we were in Hebrews talking about how the Word of God is alive. See, I'm not just holding a book in my hand. This is not just a book. But a lot of people, they look at it, oh, it's just a book. See, you're not going to get anything from this. This is alive. It's alive. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word did what? It became flesh and dwelt among us. There's something spiritual that happens when you take a Bible and you open it up and you start reading it and delving into it and getting impartation. You know, you start to you start to start to see God's ways. You know, to put it to you another way. If you like movies, all right, and let's say you get to meet a famous producer. You know, I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, when I'm thinking of producers, I'm thinking of old school. I'm thinking like the Fords, Francis Ford Coppola, 
and some of those others that wrote and directed movies back in the 50s and, and 60s and things like that. And you met somebody and, 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 and you went up to him and you said, you know, I am really impressed with your movies. I just love the way that you do things, the way that you portray certain characters and how you do that. And you start asking them particular questions on how, how they, they do things. Or you can approach it a different way. You just say, you know, hey, yeah, I really like the way you, you directed movies. I really, those are really neat movies. There's two different ways to approach them. One way might get you an invitation for them. They might invite you to come and actually see them producing a movie. Which one would be? Which one do you think would actually get the invitation, the one that said, hey, you know, I really like your movies. They're great. Or the person that comes up and says, you know, I really like the way you, you depicted this character in that movie and how you set that scene up and how that at the final there, how you had everything come together and everything just kind of moved. I was really excited about how that happened. Which one do you think might get the invitation from the producer? the one that's more interested, right? And you would go to his place and watch him maybe as he's making a movie and he'd show you, he'd show you what? He'd show you his ways. How he produces a movie. How he sets a scene. How he, puts, he places characters in certain places. You would understand and appreciate more his ways of it because what? You're interested in it as opposed to the person that you know, I, I really like your, your movies. See, that's where a lot of Christians are with God. Well, I, I really like the Bible. I go, oh, you know, I go to church. But see, they're not interested in his ways. In 1 Corinthians, you there yet? Chapter 2. Now, this is a scripture God gave me. Well, I've seen it many times, but... Right before I got under attack with, with cancer, I started preaching on this about, oh, I'd say about six months before. At, at least six months. And, 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 and we, went, we, we went to this many, many times. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. And God had me ministering on that. For, for weeks and months, I, we would keep going back to this particular scripture. Unbeknownst to me at that time that something was going to come into my life down the road. But when it did, see, I was already prepared. Because there's something spiritual that happens when you come under attack from the enemy, especially in health. Now, I did not know these things to then that I know today. I've said for years, jokingly, but really seriously, do you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart? Yeah, you do. You need the Holy Spirit to go to 
You need the Holy Ghost when you go to Walmart. You know, people would ask, well, do I need the Holy Spirit? The power. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in everything you do. But see, the Spirit of God was speaking to me. And he was trying to instruct me to do what? To know God's ways. This is a way. This verse here is, is one of God's ways. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Second Chronicles 16, I think it is, gives us a story about this king, Asa. King Asa was a unique individual. He kind of did things his way. He would fight the enemies and do things his way. We wouldn't consult God. He was, a, he was, he was you know, a, a, a king, but he did, wouldn't consult. And the prophet even came to him and said, you, know, you, you, you don't consult God in anything. You just do things your way. And Asa wouldn't listen to him. He wouldn't consult God. He knew he should, but he wouldn't. Well, one day he got a disease in his feet. And he sought the physicians. But he didn't seek God. And he died. And that's what Asa is remembered for. One of the main things that King Asa is remembered for because he sought not the Lord God, but he sought the physicians first. When they diagnosed me with cancer, malignant melanoma, I listened to what the physician said. Because they're going to tell me facts. But I wouldn't consult the Lord for the truth. As I went through that process, God had been teaching me about my faith not standing in the wisdom of man, but the power of God. At that time, I did not fully understand when God started teaching me what that really means. When you look at it on the surface, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Okay, I think most Christians would probably say, yeah, I, I, I believe that. It should. Our faith should stand in the, the power of God, not in the wisdom of man. What they don't know how is, how do I do that? See, now I'm going to give you my testimony of how God showed me that. As I go through this process, and uh, the first thing I did as I went to God and I, I said, God, I know you didn't do this to me. Um, either this is just a direct attack by Satan or I left a door open. I said, I'd be willing to admit I probably left a door open. He said, you did. He told me what I did and I had to repent of it. That's a very important step. If you miss that, it costs you your life. 
once he told me that, he then told me, he said, Michael, within, in, in 30 days this will all be over with. He didn't say, I'll heal you. He said, it'll all be over with. But he reminded me what, I was, what he'd been teaching me and having me preach on, that my, that my faith should stand in the power of God and not in the wisdom of men. So I, I, I went through that process. I go to the, 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 um, the doctor of cancer. What's that called? Oncologist, right? Oncologist, okay. Now, I understand that this, this doctor here is there to help me. I'm not looking to argue with the doctor. And this doctor, this doctor in particular, she, you know, said some things to me. Number one, she said, you know, said, well, once this is removed, we're going to get you on a program. And um, her words were, I would recommend because this program here is going to bring your your body's ability to fight off disease and that to a low level. You really need to get the vaccine. I said, I'm not going to do that. She said, what? I said, I'm not getting the vaccine. She said, you, you don't understand. Your body's strength levels are going to get real low. And if you need something to help fight off disease, I said, the Lord will take care of me. She really didn't understand why I wouldn't get the vaccine. And I gave her examples. I said, you know, you don't understand. The place that I work at, we know the people that, had, that got the vaccine. They're all sick. Some of them almost died. I'm not getting the vaccine. She said, well, there's a couple options here. And she said, um, she laid out, she said, uh, we have this option over here, which is, I can't remember even what it's called, kind of a fancy thing where they, they, they do some kind of stuff. And she said, we have chemotherapy. I said, well, we won't need the chemo. I'm doing chemo. So she said, well, this is the one I recommend anyway. I said, that's good, because we ain't going the other one. That ain't happening. I seen, a, I seen a doctor the other day put a video out, and he is an oncologist. He said 20 years ago, maybe 30 years ago, a college, I believe it's in Wisconsin, did a 10-year study on people that got chem chemotherapy. 97% of those people that got chemotherapy in that 10-year period died. He said, yet, the pharmaceutical industry will not release those results. He said, the what reason why? Money. You, 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 your faith better stand in the power of God, not the wisdom of man, because man tells you to do certain things that they're not, they don't have your best interest in. They do not have your best interest in. My God, I think of how many people I've known over the years that went that route, and they're no longer here. Of course, I didn't know then what I know now. You better pray. God, do I even do this? Do I even consider doing this? See, I already had the answer before I went in. God had done told me at the very beginning of this thing, 
I'm not talking about the can. I'm talking about COVID. He said, don't, son, don't even take that shot. Don't even take that shot. Before anything was known. Now, I wasn't particularly against vaccines. I'm not going to get into that right now. But your faith better stand in the power of God, not in the wisdom of men. It costs you. It'll cost you. Go to Psalm 107. Let's look at this here. Psalm 107. You know, once you know the will of God, the next step you have to find out is the ways to get there. There is a way. When that happened to me, the one thing I never said is I never called it my cancer. Why? I don't want it. And I've seen people over the years, they call well, my cancer, my cancer doctor. They're not here. Why? They took ownership of it. They wore it like a badge. I want nothing to do with that. John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came to give you life and life in abundance. If it's, it's real simple, folks. If it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's the devil. Don't ever say that God put this sickness on me to teach me a lesson. You don't understand his ways. You don't even know his will. Yeah, I'm talking to you. I'm not mad at people. I'm mad at the devil. See, you've got to get to that point in your life where you get mad at the devil, what he's doing to people. When you get there, that's where change comes. In Romans it says, chapter 12, verse 1, be not conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. It change how you think. That you would be able to discern what the perfect will of God is. It doesn't say you can let your friends tell you what the perfect will of God. Because what will happen is, I know you hear a faith message like this one today. This is what I was talking about notes. Thank you, Holy Ghost. That's why you had me do that. When you hit that ball right there, when Christians today, if they're even being taught the word of God in their church, most aren't. When they hit the door, the devil follows them right out. Yeah, I said follows you out. Well, Pastor, are you saying the devil's in the church? Yeah, he sits in churches. Why don't you cast him out? The devil's not the problem. You're the problem. It's how you think. The devil has no authority over you. He's already defeated. That's, if you, when you see that, that the devil 
is a defeated one. Every time I read it in the Bible, I, I see it, it says, it talks about Satan. I say, Satan, the defeated one. Why do I say that? Because I want to remind him, he's lost. It's over with. He's going to attack you. And he's going to try to get you to forget what you just learned. Because the devil comes to do one thing when you're in church that teaches the word. He comes to steal that word. Let me get that word out of him. Because if I can get that word out of him, I can defeat him. He's right. He's been doing this for thousands of years. We've been doing this for, what, 10, 15, 20, 50, 60 years is all. He's got thousands of years of experience of doing this. That's why he only uses one method. He doesn't have any other method. He's just got one method. He uses the same stupid method over and over and over and over. Why? Because he knows he's got success with it. What he's trying to stop is from you finding out that method and finding out the ways of God. He don't mind you knowing the will of God. What he doesn't want you, what he'll, he'll, he'll come against you on is you finding out the ways of God. Because you find out the ways of God, you'll, defeat, you'll beat him every time. You will beat him every single time. Psalm 107, you there? I look at a couple of verses here. Verse 4, it says, they wandered in the wilderness. This is speaking of the Israelites. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. What's that telling you? God wasn't leading them. They were, they were doing it themselves. They were being led by their way. Verse 5 says, Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Verse 6, Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. Verse 7, And he led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. See, there's right ways and wrong ways to do things. The wrong ways are what? Your ways. Well, what did God say in Jeremiah? My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. He just told us, your natural ways and your natural thoughts are not his ways. His thoughts are higher than ours. So what do we got to do? We got to find out what his thoughts are. How are we going to do that? Through a relationship. Through spending time in this word. Go to Psalm, um, ninety-five. Look at this one. Now, I'm gonna read from the Amplified. Psalm ninety-five. Should be just a few pages back for you. Pick it up in verse ten. It says, Forty years long was I grieved and disgusted." with that generation. And I said, it is a people that do err in their hearts and they do not approve, they do not acknowledge or regard my ways. Let me read it again. They, they do not approve, 
they do not acknowledge or regard my ways. Okay, verse 11 gives you the results. Wherefore, I swore in my wrath that they would not enter into my rest, the land of promise. See, if you don't regard or honor or approve of God's ways, you'll not enter into the land of rest, the land of promise, the land of deliverance. You know, you've heard me say Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. In Isaiah, it says, my people go into captivity because of a lack of knowledge. What you don't know, or what you do know but you reject, it will cost, it will cost you. It'll cost me. It costs all of us. What we know and we don't do, it, it will cost us. What we know or what we don't know, it'll cost you. So what's the answer? The answer is to get into this word and read it and develop your relationship with the Lord and then as you develop that relationship, he'll speak to you and he'll show you things to come. You know what the Holy you know what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit will come. He will lead you and guide you into all truth and he will show you things to come. Well, what was happening with me and my experience with, that, with, with, with cancer? The Spirit of God was speaking to me and showing me things to come. He said, son, don't do that. Now, I could have overridden him and said, but, doc, but Lord, the, the doctor said... Now, let me back up a little bit here. When I told this particular doctor I would not take the vaccine, she asked me why. I wasn't belligerent with her. I just said, no, that's not going to happen. She said, can I, can I ask you why? I said, I told her where I worked at. I said, and I got to give a long story. I said, they made each of us, the ones that took the vaccine, they made, us, they made them wear a badge, basically, identifying that they had taken the vaccine. So everybody there knew who took the vaccine and knew who didn't. I said, I jokingly asked him, did you want me to put a Star David on? Because I said, that's really what you're doing here. It's discrimination. And I said, what I found out was, and we all found this out, the people that took the vaccine were getting sick and sick again and sick again and sick again and sick again. But the people that didn't take the vaccine, we didn't get sick. And this is what that doctor said to me. She said, you know, I've heard that and I don't have an answer. Thank God she's honest. She's an honest... And I don't mean any ill will toward... She's a great doctor. She's doing, she's doing really great stuff. And she really has the interest of people. At least she was honest and said, I've heard that and I don't have an answer for that. She might now. Because we found out that these things are killing people. Yeah. Along with other things. Protocols in the hospital. That's the other thing. And I, that, that's another thing. I'm not going to get into that right now. So it says, you know, that these people 
They erred in their heart. Their hearts were not right with God. Moses knew God's ways, but the Israelites just knew his acts. And that's where a lot of Christians are. They, they know God's acts. They, they know that he can do it. But they don't know that he'll do it for them. And if you don't get on that side and know that God will do it for you, not only he will, but he already has, you'll, you'll never receive. Faith is now. Listen to me again. Faith is now. When I had that conversation, when they gave me the diagnosis that I went home and I talked to the Lord and, he, and I had to repent before him, he said, in 30 days this will all be gone. I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I'm healed. When did I receive my healing? When the doctors took it off and came back and gave me the report? No. If I was waiting for that, I'd have never got it. I'd have never got it. I may not even be here now. I got my healing when God spoke to me. Because after, after I, I had that conversation with the Lord, the Lord said he gave me several scriptures to stand on. He said, by his stripes, 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes, I was healed. Not going to be healed. I already was 2,000 years ago. So in describing my situation with people, I would always tell them, I'm healed. Well, then why are you going to have the operation? Well, that's just, man, you know, just for man's sake. Because God, God didn't tell me I didn't have to. Now, if he had told me I didn't have to, I wouldn't have done that. But he said, his words were, in 30 days this will all be gone. He didn't say, Michael, you don't have to have the operation. He said, in 30 days, this will all be gone. So in that part, I had to go through the, what was going on. I had to believe God. But I received, I received my healing the, that very day. He sent his word and healed me. He delivered me from my destructions. I said, Lord, I believe, those, I believe that scripture. I'm healed today. Not going to be healed. I'm, I'm healed. So I go to the doctor and they do their thing and they come back and they say, well, we found no cancer. I said, I know. I know. Praise the Lord. I didn't do somersaults and jumping jacks and all that kind of stuff at that. Why? Because I had received it at the very beginning. I had a confident expectation. See, you've got to get to that point. And the only way you get to that point is you know God, you understand God's ways. You understand his ways. Well, look at one, one last scripture here. Um, Lord, unless there's others you want, I know there's a lot of others here I could look at. There's so much. We're not, I'm not done talking about this. We're probably going to talk about it again. Um, Go to Proverbs chapter 4. Okay, I got two scriptures. Proverbs chapter 4. 
Verse 20, it says to 22, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them. And health to all their flesh. What's he talking about? Giving attention to his words. What he's saying. Give attention to his words. What he's saying. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Don't let them depart from your eyes. And in other words, this is someone that, that they're, they're looking at God's word not literally every second of the day. It's a daily basis. It's a daily basis. It's a way of life. Talking about life change. Well, didn't God just say that in Romans? Don't be, don't be conformed to the world's way, but be transformed. Because see, if you're going to do things, if you're going to do things the world's way, um, you're not going to make it. If I do things, if I did things the world's way, whew, I, I, I really, I really don't think I'll be here. Because I had another doctor tell me when, you know, finish that story up. I didn't have any after medical care. There was no therapy. None. Most people have something like that. They, they hit them with something. But see, the power of God was so strong, it just obliterated everything. Even my dermatologist did a, did a test, and she sent something off called a Castle Report, which gives them an idea of the chances of of a person ever getting this type of cancer again, she said, the results came back on your report and it says you are in the lowest category to ever experience this again. I said, praise the Lord, not surprised. Well, I already, see, I, I already knew it. Let me, let me, let me put it a, a little bit different. When you have a deep relationship with God and you're, you're in his word and you know what his word says and you're working on this relationship. I'm not talking about perfection. I am not perfect. My relationship with the Lord has a lot of work that I need to do with it. I'm nowhere near finished because it's ongoing. But I'm not, I'm not where I was. But you have to get to the point in your relationship and your knowing the things of God that you, you have a confident expectation. It'd be like Travis here. If we took Travis and we said, Travis, okay, you're going to get into, you're going to get into a fight. You know, that might make him a little nervous. But then I'm going to tell him, okay, the fight is against a 10-year-old. Oh, come on, man. Really? Yeah, yeah, it's against a 10-year-old. So he goes out there and he bops his 10-year-old in the head and the kid falls down crying. And the ring announcer comes out and raises his hands and says, the champion, Travis. Is Travis going to get real excited? No. 
Why? He had a confident expectation when he went in the ring. This fight was over with. That's how you got to be with the devil. That's how you have to be with the devil. I'm not advocating Travis hitting a 10-year-old. I, I, I use that as an example. to get. That's the kind of difference in power we're talking about. When you're talking about the power of God versus the power of Satan. He's like a 10-year-old versus a, man, a full-grown man that works out. It's no competition. It really isn't. But that 10-year-old can make a full-grown person think that they're a five-year-old. Now that 10-year-old's got a chance because you think you're a five-year-old in that ring and you're really older than that 10-year-old. That's how the enemy works on you. He gets you saying the wrong things. I've never seen a fighter go into a ring. I used to watch boxing all the time. I, I, man, I remember Muhammad Ali, and Cassius Clay, Joe Frazier. Before they ever got in the ring, they were talking. They were talking. They were, they were talking up a storm. They were telling the other one what they were going to do to him. I'm going to wipe you all over that mat. I'll knock you out of the ring. You don't, st you don't stand a chance. Remember uh, in, in one of the Rocky movies, Mr. T, I pay the fool! I pay the fool! He was intimidating. That's how, he, that's how it came across. You know, if you remember that movie with Rocky and Mr. T, Rocky gets in the ring, and you know he's you know he's kind of beefed up, but he's not no like Mr. T. Mr. T is I pay the fool. I pay. I'm gonna destroy you. I'm gonna eat you. And you could see Rocky's demeanor kind of change. It was like my land. What in the world am I against? It was having an effect on him. You better be saying something when you go into that ring. Because he is. And if he's speaking louder than you, he'll wear you down. He'll wear you down. And that's what it says in the Bible. Satan seeks to wear down the saints. How does he wear you down? By talking to you. By getting you saying the wrong stuff. In uh, Proverbs chapter 14, look there. And this one just kept coming up in my spirit, and the Lord quickened that to me, because Proverbs 14. And I, I said this before, but you know what? <laughs> I did some researching on this, and I found up something I didn't know. Proverbs 14, verse 12 says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There's a way that seems right unto a man. In other words, there's a way that seems right unto the flesh. But the end of that are the ways of death. 
I did a little word study on that word ways of death. In the Hebrew it says that definition of that word means to be it's a it's a mode of action. It brings you along. It brings you away. Away from what? The things of God. It gives you an excuse. It says because of. Because of what? This way looks better than that way. It also has, has the word conversation. So the ways of man is a conversation that you're having with somebody else. When I got that diagnosis, I didn't pick up my phone and call every Christian I knew to say, hey, well, I want you to pray for me. I only had like one other person that knew it, knew that I was going through it. I wasn't going to do something stupid like get on Facebook and tell people to pray for me. Because most of the people on Facebook don't know how to pray. And then I'm going to have to come against their unbelief. Because they're going to pray this way. Lord, if it be your will to heal Pastor Mike. I don't need that. Because when you, when you do something like that, you are setting your faith in agreement with these people. You ask somebody to play on, on, on Facebook, pray for you, you say, well, what's wrong with that? That's, it's a lot wrong with it. Because you are setting your agreement with them. You believe that they can pray the same way you're going to pray. Now, they're not out there trying to do you harm. They just don't know. So their prayers of unbelief is not helping you. You've got to watch who you tell. Because they're going to come back to you and give you all kinds of stories. Well, this is what happened to me, or this is what happened to a family member. They did that, and they it blah, 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 blah. I want to hear it. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the ends thereof are death. James said it another way. I love the book of James. James is Jesus' part half-brother. He said, concerning your words and your thoughts, you can't change all the time what you're saying. You can't say, I'm healed one day and the next day I feel like I feel terrible. Well then, Pastor, what do you say? When you're feeling bad, what do you say? I'm overcoming. I'm overcoming. I'm overcoming. Because you say the wrong thing. 
you open in that door. And James said this way, he said, that is a double-minded person. They're of two minds. And a double-minded person shall receive nothing from God. You can't say, I'm believing God that I'm going to be healed. You just can't say that, period. Because you're not believing God's going to heal you. You'll never get anything. God already did. He did it 2,000 years ago. I am healed. You don't look healed, Pastor. I don't care how I look. It doesn't matter how I look. I'm not basing my healing based on how I look or how I feel. I'm basing my healing on what the Word of God says. I'm basing my deliverance on what the Word of God says. I'm basing my finances on what the Word of God says. My God will supply all of my need according to His riches and glory because I'm a sower and I'm a giver. I'm a tither. I can't make that declaration if I'm not because that's what Paul was talking about when he said, my God will supply all your need. It was a promise to the Philippians because they had sowed into his ministry. And they gave when they didn't even have it to give. They still gave. He said, because you've done this, my God will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus because you're in Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. Did you get something today? We're going to do communion here. Now, you prepare the elements, the bread and the, the juice. I'm going to talk to you about something. The Lord is speaking to me concerning this. You know, we've, we've talked about as you take communion, Jesus said, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you'll have no part in me. When he said that, a lot of people left him that day. I mean, they just turned around and left. <laughs> and he said to his disciples, what are you guys going to do? And they were like, where are we going to go? You're the one that's got the truth. There's no other church down here doing this stuff. Like what you're doing. We're staying here. He said, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can keep it on there. Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you'll have no part in me. Then at the Last Supper, he took the bread, he blessed it, and he said, take, eat. This is my body. Now listen to me. This is my body. He didn't say this represents. He said this is my body. He didn't say this becomes my body. He said this is my body. Take, eat. And then the Lord spoke to me. He said, if you believe that, that this is, your, this is my body, and when you eat it, it becomes part of you, doesn't it? Because this bread now, if, once I eat it, it's in me. It's part of me. And so I've just eaten, by faith, his body. And he's in me. 
and I'm in him. Jesus said this to me. He said, was I ever sick? I said, uh, there's no scripture saying that you were sick. He said, then why are you? He said, you tell my people. That's what he's talking about when you take the, the, the body. He said, this is my body. It doesn't represent it. It is his body. He said, take, take, eat of this. And then Paul went on to say, many are sick in the church. Many sleep. That means they died because they did not discern the Lord's body. So if by faith, this is his body and it goes into me, sickness cannot remain because Jesus was not sick and he also paid the price for sickness. You got a lot going on in you when you receive this and you, and you understand it. Many, of them are, many people will take communion. They'll take it. And they're, they're, they're sick and die. And they keep being sick. And they keep going on and on and on. Why? They don't discern the Lord's body. How do I discern the Lord's body? I don't keep talking about my sickness anymore. Why? Because I'm healed. I don't have any sickness in my body right now. No, no, no. It, no, because it's the body. So I'm not going to go out here and talk to people about a sickness that I don't have. Because if I do, I'm a double-minded man. And James said what? A double-minded man will receive nothing from God. Nothing. That's Bible. Now that may sound mean. I don't mean it to make it sound mean. I'm, I'm mad at the devil. He's fooled God's people for too long. Too long. Take this. This is his body. Which was broken for you and me. He's in me. I'm in him. The same power. He wasn't sick. Sickness can't remain. He then took the cup and blessed it. Said this represents my blood. He didn't say, I'm sorry, I repent, Father. He said, this is my blood. This is my blood, which was shed for you. What does the blood do? It cleanses me from all unrighteousness. Sin's gone. So you can do communion every day, several times a day if you want. And every time what happens? The slate's clean. Slate's clean. Let the redeemed say so. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God.